Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. And welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. I'm Christiana Villegas, co-host and event planner for Marquardt Law Firm. And for today's episode, we have here Todd Marquardt, Kevin Frazier, and Rick Layden. Mr. Marquardt, what's our mission for Talk Law Radio? Thank you. The mission for Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs our law license, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but does not want us to attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of general information. Instead, contact an attorney like Marquardt Law Firm to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Of course. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, or for doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Please help those who are hunting this season. Help them to uh, hunt ethically and legally and to have a good time. And help Christiana, Rick, Kevin, and me today to give good information to the listeners about hunting law today. Help us to use the gifts and talents that you've provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Todd, we have another full house today. What are our guests going to be talking about with us today? We're going to be talking about the law of hunting, hunting regulations, and we'll also be talking about the youth hunting program. So first, I'd like to talk to uh, Mr. Layden uh, about the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Welcome, Mr. Layden. Thank you. Nice to be here. Will you... uh, introduce yourself tell us about you yourself a little bit certainly uh, again it's rick Layden. i've been a hunt master with the texas youth hunt program for almost 20 years now uh, the the initial program was established in 1996 uh, i came into it uh, several years later as a volunteer f- helping another individual jr singley who who worked for a company where i bought material and i walked in one day and he was piling stuff up in his office and asking what for and he said a youth hunt and so i went on his next one and loved it and have been doing it ever since and became a lead hunt master about 16 years ago and take kids out on weekend hunts and 
um, teach them uh, the aspects of the legal part and the safety part of hunting, uh, along with the ethical part of it. Uh, and we do that on weekends, um, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, That's Texas. awesome. That's uh, real important to teach youth about hunting. I'm curious about your hunt master certification. What does that entail? We spend a weekend, uh, two and a half days, uh, going through what we would expect to do on a youth hunt as far as uh, all the paperwork involved, uh, how to get them out. We do a a run us out on a ranch, and then we have to go back and find all the blinds at night after that it's gotten dark and figure out which one's where, and we have to be able to, to relocate and get back around. So we... Uh, the rifle range, the safety part of it, all the, the things that we need to enforce and, and talk about with the kids we do on this weekend until we figure out uh, what it is that we're supposed to be doing with them and for them and how to do it. And so we become trained in that process of, of taking the kids out and being safe with them. Most people probably don't know how difficult it is to get around on a ranch and, and remember how to get back. (laughs) That's a a big deal, even with our hunt masters. I happen to have the knack of being able to have been there once, I can usually get back, but some of our hunt masters can drop off a kid and then not remember how to get back and pick them (laughs) up. So it's always a a training issue when we get to a new ranch or one that we have a new person on. Uh, We spend that afternoon going around to the different blinds where he'll be taking somebody or she will or whichever, making sure they can they know the surroundings, what's around them, and how to get back and forth safely without going by other blinds and that kind of thing. Yeah, thanks. If you're just joining us, this is uh, Todd Marquardt with Talk Law Radio. We're talking to Rick Layden about the Texas Youth Hunting Program. And, Rick, will you just mention where people can find information about how to get their kids started hunting? Yes, the Texas Wildlife Association, the TWA, is our parent company, and they have a website for us. It's tyhp.org. It's the Texas Youth Hunt Program.org. Uh, and all of our hunts are listed there, the dates of them, uh, what the accommodations are, if they're a tent camp out or have lodging. Uh, you can go there. They, the child, we do 9 to 17 year olds. And so they can register and then apply for uh, any of the hunts that are on there they can apply for. We tend to take always first-time applicants. Uh, If you've never been on a hunt with us before and you apply for one, you will be up on the the first part of the list. Now, if we're only taking 500s or 600s and we have 10 uh, that apply, we take the first ones that come in. So. It's If you've been on more than one and you fall in after we can't fill it with first-timers, then they get to con- continue to come back and go on other hunts with us. But it's all through the website. Okay. And I'm sure some people are wondering about whether their daughters can even go. We have lots of girls beginning to hunt with us. Uh, I do some all-girl hunts. Uh, those are really fun because they bond a lot faster together. I don't care if they're 12 and <laughs> to 17-year-olds. They're instantly all friends, and the boys kind of are a little more standoffish until they start talking about football or hunting or whatever. But you can put five girls or six girls together, and they're instantly running around. So we do lots of all-girl hunts, or we have lots of girls and boys on hunts. We get lots of moms now bringing their uh, boys and girls on hunts uh, that aren't even hunters or anything else, but the kids are interested in it. So we're getting lots of those, and we take care of and help you, whether you've ever been on a hunt, mom or dad, 
Uh, we have uh, hunt masters that will sit with them and, and pick the animals that they need to harvest. Uh, we're there to help the rancher control his deer populations is what we're set up to do. So we are not just out killing deer. Uh, we're harvesting animals that need to be taken off of a ranch to keep their numbers in good check so that all of the deer remain healthy. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Sounds like a really great program, being able to teach their children from a young age of not only how to respect nature, but to still abide by the laws that you need in order to harvest from it, as you said. Yes, we just we want to make sure that at every age uh, they know what to do. We're all about gun safety from the time they arrive in their vehicle to the time they leave. We're 100% about safety. Uh, we want them to know that everything is, you know, got to be kept right and everything else. So well, we're all about gun safety. We're just, um, and then the legal and the ethical part of it. There's a lot of things that are legal that you wouldn't normally do because it's not ethical. So we we talk a lot about that also. And so you're the hunt master. Are there other opportunities for parents to volunteer? Oh, yes, uh, many. If they, I mean, we need cooks on every hunt. Uh, we need helpers that will get the kids out. We need guides. We need uh, range coordinators. We have several opportunities for parents of, of all ages uh, to come and help and, and be a part of it without, you know, having to be responsible for, you know, setting it up or anything. Okay. And, but this isn't Hunter's education, no, this program is not. They have to have their hunter's education before they can apply with us, and, and they have to have a hunting license and a hunter's ed card in order to go with us. Okay. There are several ways to get your hunter's education through individuals like myself that are hunter ed instructors or like Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's and different places that have the program set up, and you can go and take them. Or some academies have them uh, where instructors come in and do it. Uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife has an 800 number where you can call and find out classes are available where if my child harvests an animal who cleans it and how do i get it home <laughs> we tell everybody once you pull the trigger your work just begins if you pull the trigger you're going to get your hands bloody uh, we will help and instruct and teach every person how to clean how to quarter it up uh, cool it down take it home with you and all of that uh, we don't expect them to do it all but we do expect them to be learning and helping so they know how to do it the next time. Okay. And if you're just joining us, this is Todd Marquardt with Talk Law Radio talking to Rick Layden about the Texas Youth Hunting Program. I wanted to find out, too, how do volunteers sign up or how do they, what's, what do they have to do to become a volunteer? Well, mainly just have the interest. Uh, again, the same website, the tyhp.org, has a place for volunteers, and they will sign up. And uh, then at that point, like this past week, I have so many hunts coming up this year already on the books that I'm looking for more volunteers. And so the area coordinator has given me some names of guys, and I reached out last night to a man in uh, Castorville, and he's willing to help on a couple of hunts. And so it's his first time to help. And we want to take them out, and we don't just expect them to be in charge or in control of whatever. We will work with them and train them and get them slowly involved to where they can see if they like it and if they're good at it and if we want them back or not. And so it's always an opportunity for volunteers to come and help do any parts of the program that they feel comfortable doing. 
And they should contact you maybe through your website? Yes, there's a volunteer application there in the TYHP.org for volunteers, and then they list what it is they may be good at. Like this guy last night said, I'll be a good guy, but I wouldn't be a good cook. And so he's he's wanting to help take kids out. And he is a hunter, so he knows what to be looking for. So he'll be a good, good helper. Okay, so you're here with Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt and Christiana Viegas, talking about the law of hunting and the Texas Youth Hunting Program. And stay tuned because we'll be back more with uh, Rick Layden, uh, some of his experience and how he's helped children. So stay tuned. If you have minor kids, and especially if you're a single parent or don't have a lot of family in the area, you need to protect your children in case something happens to you. Meet Brittany Lastition, an attorney with Marquardt Law Firm, hosting a free kids protection plan seminar on October 24th, 5.30 p.m. Northwood Presbyterian School at 518 Pike Road, San Antonio, Texas. Space is always limited, so be sure to register today by calling 210-530-4278, MarquardtLawFirm.com. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. And welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm Christiana Viegas, co-host and event planner, and we're still here today with Rick Layden talking with us and sharing his experiences in youth hunting. What kind of uh, experiences have you had out there with interacting with the youth? Oh, there are almost almost 100% positive. We get somebody that's not a good uh, participant every now and then, but 99% of everybody that comes is, is wanting to be there. They're great. They follow instructions. They do what they're supposed to do. Having already applied and know that they've been through the hunter's ed and they have their license and all of that, they arrive uh, with some great expectations of, of what is ahead of them as far as the hunts go. So, I mean, we just – the getting them there and, and being able to, to work with a, a 9- or 10-year-old, teaching them how to use a firearm. Uh, we furnish the rifles if they don't have one so the parent doesn't have to go out and buy one to go on a hunt, and we – furnish the ammo and stuff, and we will teach them how to shoot safely. We'll try to get them uh, comfortable on the range to where when the deer comes out that they're – we can't stop the buck fever or the nervousness. Uh, that happens on some of the younger ones and even a lot of the older ones. But we uh, work with them on that and teach them how to shoot and everything. So when we do take them out, we hope for a one-shot harvest and clean uh, harvest animals all the time. I got a question that probably you you talk to a lot of your young hunters about. Uh, how do you know when uh, the 
hunting day ends when the sun's setting? Well, the the time for the day is 30 minutes before sunrise and legally 30 minutes after sunset. So we tend to look up on our phones and see what that legal time is, and that would give us an idea of when darkness should be coming around. But in our situations and on our hunts, just because uh, we work with a lot of inexperienced hunters, uh, their first or second times out, we stop our hunts a little earlier. If it is too dark to be able to tell if that's a little nubbin buck instead of a doe or the spike has a fork on it instead of just a straight horn, uh, if it's getting too dark for that, we don't want any questions or any accidents. And so we stop our hunts about 15 to 20 minutes before the legal time is over. And we don't let them start that early in the morning either for fear of it being too dark. Optics, the scopes and the binoculars will bring in much more light, but we just don't want to take any chances. So we, our rule is if it's too dark and you can't tell what it is or they're moving, they haven't stood still long enough, if you're just not sure, you pass on the shot because we're on invites from ranch owners. And the last thing we want to do is be taking off animals that they didn't want off. Uh, they don't need them off if it's a little spike uh, or nubbin buck, which is a, a male that it hasn't even grown through the skin yet, but has the little bumps there. And these kids are not capable of seeing that. Uh, we try to put the parent and child together in the blind and let them sit by themselves if the dads or moms either one are hunters. And if not, then we sit with them. But we like that time of them being together because it's such a... Uh, refreshing time. They've they've spent three or four hours in a blind together. They they haven't spent that much time together in a long time. And the letters that the kids write at the end of the weekend, thanking the landowners, fifty percent of the letters will talk about how much they've enjoyed being with their dad, mom, grandfather, uncles, that whoever is sitting with them. That it was time that they haven't been able to spend that much time with them in a long time. So we we hear that a lot. That that time together is good. And then once we sit with them. We change that whole dynamic. So we try to see if they're capable to sit by themselves, pick out the animal, and, and harvest it without us there. But any questions or concerns they have or we have, we sit with them and make that call for them. Yeah, sometimes uh, the little bucks uh, are confused with uh, the doe. What I tell my buddies is if, if you're looking at the biggest doe at the feeder, you might want to check again to make sure that it's not actually a nub and buck because uh the, the the big females you know it may not be female right and we pretty much have a rule they don't shoot a deer if it comes out by itself one single deer nothing else around it not only can you not tell what size it is but 95 percent of the time it will be a little nub and buck because he's not running with the mom and the others and he's not big enough to run with the big boys he's out there by himself and when somebody shoots a single deer by itself, 95% of the time, it's a little nubbin buck. That's a great rule of thumb. I'll have to use that. Uh, I also wanted to ask, have you had any experiences with uh, the kids where maybe they weren't successful? Oh, yes. Lots of our hunters go home without a deer. It's If you came to every hunt and took a deer every time, it's not a big deal. So... Part of hunting is going home with no harvest, and you've got to be able to deal with that and know that that's going to happen. They call it hunting for a reason, and that's because you're always hunting for that animal. We'll be on ranches that have lots and lots of deer, but the child may not see one at their particular blind or at that time, and so 
it is always possible that you go home with nothing, but that's part of hunting. And so we look forward to going back and trying it again. So lots of them go home without their animals. Have you ever had uh, uh, worked with a kid that wasn't a big fan of field dressing the deer? Uh, all the time. A lot of the younger ones don't think they want to, uh, but we tell them if you pull the trigger, you will be expected to help. And so they do that. Now, we also get kids that go out that won't ever pull the trigger. And I'll have a guide call in. I'll put him on three deer, and they just won't pull the trigger. And that's fine. A 9 or 10, 11-year-old, they can sit there all day long. We don't ever make them pull the trigger. We don't ever make them harvest an animal if they're not ready uh, maybe they changed their mind after they got there and saw the animals or whatever. We let them sit there and take pictures, enjoy the day. You'll see all the other animals and stuff that are coming out. Just enjoy their time being out in the outdoors and not worrying about having to harvest an animal. If you're just joining us, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt and co-host Christiana Villegas. <laughs> We're talking about hunting law and uh, the Texas Youth Hunting Program with Rick Layden. Uh, Rick, uh, you're not paid to do this, are you? No, sir. Not a dime. We all volunteer our time. And so what, what's your day job? I own a swimming pool company. We build custom swimming pools here in San Antonio. Okay. And so as just volunteer and uh, just for fun on the weekends, you do this uh, youth hunting program. Yes, there's several reasons why. I enjoy being with the kids, yes, but it's also if we can – reach one or two or three kids out of every hunt that we do and, and you know, get them more involved uh, with the way hunting and the laws and the regulations are going. Uh, if it was up to our government, we may not have hunting very much longer. So we want to get them involved to the point of in their generation to come, they need to stay active. They need to stay involved. They need to be concerned and know what the laws are and what's going on. So you'll, out of every, if I do a seven or eight kid hunt, There'll be anywhere from 80 to 120 applicants apply for that hunt. So there's that many kids that are still wanting to be out and be hunting. And therefore, I figure the more we can get out, our restrictions on how many hunts we do or kids we can take out is the number of ranches we have. And that is limited by the owners being willing to let a child come out and hunt on their property. Hunting kids on, on ranches was big no-no for a long time just because it was unregulated and un they were wounding a lot of animals and stuff and so once our program got established and we do teach them how and we try to keep those uh, good clean harvest shots you know going they've become much more willing to have kids come out on the ranches and hunt and we offer the insurance to them uh, to release them of all liability and so that's part of our package is the landowner is has the insurance coverage that lets a child come out and hunt. I didn't know that. That's probably pretty important to the landowners. It's a very important deal because any accident that would occur falling out of a vehicle, you know, getting hurt, certainly you know, anything to do with guns and ammo, we want to be 100% safe and watching all the time. We're much, and we stress the muzzle awareness of where that gun is always pointing, uh, empty or loaded, either one especially. But we're very concerned about that. But we do offer the landowner $2 million blanket insurance policy to release them of liability so they're not as fearful of having right. us out. Are you, are you looking for more volunteer landowners? All the time. We're always looking to go to new ranches and take kids. And, and 
Can they contact you the same way through your website? Yes, sir. There's a place on there for landowners also. So That website, if you're tuning in, is going to be tyhp.org and also the tpwd.texas.gov. If you have any questions about opening up your um, your property or registering as a volunteer, just follow up on those websites. That is, once again, tyhp org and tpwd.texas.gov. Soon we're going to be uh, talking to Kevin Frazier, who's a real-life uh, game warden. He's going to be talking to us about regulations and the, the new regulations that come out. Also, he'll be sharing some of his experience with us with uh, hunters that made some silly mistakes so stay tuned, and we will uh, be talking to him. This is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt and Christiana Villegas. Uh, before we take a break, uh, Mr. Layden, this may be a, a surprise question, so just uh, let me know if it is. Uh, if you had to think about what your legacy was, you know, uh, Marquardt Law Firm's uh, an estate planning law firm, and uh, I tell people that part of my legacy is my baseball card collection. Uh, <laughs> what would part of your legacy be? Well, I mean, certainly, for, foremost, uh, I want to be known that he was a good Christian and, and cared for folks. Uh, if coming to the youth hunting part that I am willing to spend my time and my energy and my money and my effort to get these kids out and teach them the right way to hunt and the legal part of it and the safety part of it and hopefully make a difference in one or two or three on each hunt's lives to get them involved in safe hunting. That's awesome. Uh, not many people know that the legacy that they leave would be how they lived their life. And so thank you for sharing that with us. No problem. Stay tuned. Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, today. And we just got finished talking with Rick Layden about his experience in helping with the youth program. So, Rick, how many kids have been in the program? Well, since the inception, since 1996, uh, we've had total number of youth participants since it started was 25,271. The number of hunters that uh, we run, the number of hunts was the 3,000, and the total number of participants was 70,000. It's one of the best-kept hunting secrets around. Since Texas is about 95% private land held, there's not a lot of places you can go hunting unless you own a place or know somebody or draw for a public hunt. So the, the youth hunt program is designed to get a parent and child out for a, an inexpensive weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and be able to take some animals home. So there are uh, we're in most of the counties around the state. Uh, we did a hundred and or two hundred fifty-four hunts this past year, uh, just in the youth wow. hunting program. So, thank you for joining us. Nope. So then, 
As we also have here, Kevin Frazier, thank you very much for sticking around with us this episode. What is this transition like when you have a youth hunter turning into an uh, legal age and now they're an adult? What's the difference in getting your license registered? Well, basically, um, they're going to have to, uh, of course, they're going to have their hunter education already, especially if they came through that program. Um, and so what people don't understand is there's, you know, you don't have to have a fishing license since you're 17 years old, but when you, uh, it doesn't matter how old you are, you have to have a, a hunting license. If you're four years old and you're sitting in a deer blind with your dad and you're holding a gun and you think you're going to pull the trigger or your dad's going to make you pull the trigger, you need to have a hunting license. So um, it's real important, uh, you know, as they transition uh, you know, into adulthood, that they carry all the stuff that they learned, either through the youth hunting program or, or through their, you know, their their mom and dad. Or, but everybody after a certain date has to have the hunter's education, right? Yeah, if you were born after September second, nineteen seventy one, you are required to have hunter education, and uh, you can take that online. That's the easiest way to take that is take that online. And uh, over the last, you know couple weekends uh, checking dove hunters especially i've ran into probably i probably checked four or five hundred hunters in the last two weekends and and probably 20 to 30 of them didn't have their hunter education and so what's the consequence do you give them a citation like a traffic ticket yeah it's a class c misdemeanor and and so what usually happens is um i'll uh, issue them a citation and they'll have to call the justice of the peace uh the judge there in that precinct and um, the, the judge usually gives them about 90 days to take the course, and the, they'll usually dismiss the ticket. But if you don't, if you don't take the course, just like any uh, Class C misdemeanor, you don't contact the judge and take care of your business with the judge. You could ultimately uh, get a warrant for your arrest, and you definitely don't want to do that for something like hunter no education. <laughs> uh, will you tell us just a little bit about how you got started uh, being a game warden, your education and experience? Well, when I was growing up uh, in Castroville, Texas, uh, there was a game warden. Uh, uh, Ernie Lerma was was a game warden there in the county, and he was a Boy Scout a master, and uh, I uh, was in his Boy Scout troop. And so growing up, we got to, uh, to camp and hunt and fish on all the coolest places because he was the game warden. He knew everybody. He had the keys to every ranch. He knew where all the good camping places were, the rivers, the creeks. Uh, he was really big into youth and youth hunting, and I ended up being one of his first Eagle Scouts um, um, in his program, and he really influenced me. What I loved about about him is, you know, I would always see him at our at our Boy Scout meetings, but, you know, I would be at school, and, and he would show up at school and do a program. He'd do a program over hunting or fishing. Uh, I remember long ago they did programs even over railroad safety and crossing railroad tracks. The game board was was given those programs, so that was pretty cool. And and what I really liked about it too was seeing the different officers around, especially game wardens. Uh, everybody, even I saw and learned this, and even if the people that he came across, if they didn't really like the game board, they still respected him. And it just came with so much, I guess, so much power and and so much responsibility. And it was something that really really influenced me and. He he drove a big truck and he had four wheelers and boats and jet skis and he had all kinds of guns and and everybody knew knew who he was and what he did and and he really genuinely loved what he did 
and uh, and that was something that I knew from a very early age I yep. wanted to do. If you're just joining us, this is Todd Marquardt with Talk Law Radio talking to Kevin Frazier. He's a Texas game warden. What kind of education do you have to have to be a game warden? So um, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Law Enforcement Division, um, you're required uh, to have a four-year degree, a bachelor degree. And it doesn't really matter what your degree is in, um, but you have to have some some, some sort of bachelor's degree um, at the minimum. Um, my degree is in psychology and human services. So, um, and, and I did that. Um, I did that. I ended up finishing my, my education in uh, North Carolina at Wingate University. I got my degree there in 1999 and uh, was able to come on and, and become a game warden in 2002. And I started my career in Zapata, Texas. And uh, that was down on the border. And that was very interesting couple of years, almost three years. And then moved on to uh, Guadalupe County and then served there for about 11 years. And uh, I taught at the uh, the game warden training center for about three and a half years. Oh, okay. So you, you've taught game wardens before. I have and really enjoyed that. And now I'm back closer to my family and uh, live and work out near Pearsall in Frio County. I had a question about game warden authority. You mentioned it a little bit. I've heard that uh, the game warden has more authority than the uh, the sheriff or the police department. How did game wardens get that reputation? Well, it's just really, you know, how some of our laws are written and, and, and our, our, our inspection authority, and it's basically uh, in our Parks and Wildlife Code, you know, it, you know, there's a law in there, uh, a statute that says wherever wild birds or game are known to roam or stray, uh, uh, a, uh, an agent... Uh, other department or a game warden other department um, has a right to be there and inspect and so where is that that's that's everywhere everywhere so uh anyway and 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 you know i have to have you know general a general idea of that 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 some kind of sporting activity a hunting or fishing activity is taking place and and so if i'm driving down down a road and i hear some gunshots um you know on a property you know I need to go in there and make sure that they're doing it legally. If they're hunting, if they are hunting, you know, I have the right to go in there and, 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 and make sure that they are, if they are hunting, they are doing it legally, have their licenses, that they're, they're you know, taking the things that they, they're supposed to take and under their license and, and, and going with all the different restrictions and regulations. So go ahead, Christiana. How, how do you go about that, though, if the property is secured, if the gate's locked? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, most gates I come to are unlocked. So, uh, but, um, you know, there's always, you know, I've, I've found myself, um, you know, I try to, if I know who the landowner is, I'll try to call them. I'll try to call the sheriff's office and, and get a phone number for them. Uh, sometimes there's been a couple times where there's been an emergency where I had to get into the, you know, so maybe a hunter was hurt or there was another medical emergency where uh, I, I had to get in and help, I would cut the cut a chain link or something to get in. I oh, okay. don't ever cut a lock, uh, but most of the time, uh, most landowners that I know and we work with are, are uh, they're wel- they welcome us. They're happy for us to be there, and uh, so um, you know I've I've climbed lots of fences and lots of gates in my life, 
and uh, and walked many a mile to go check somebody. What should a hunter carry with them? Uh, you know, it, it's not like when you go to the grocery store and you know you need your wallet because you need money for that. Uh, what should we carry with us uh, when we're hunting, just in case uh, Gabe Warren does approach? Well, of course uh, and foremost, you need your hunting license, uh, depending on you know what your uh, you know what activity you're you're taking place right now. We have a new app where you know you can you can download your license, you know, have it on your phone, but that doesn't and that's good for maybe dove hunting, but that doesn't help you if you've just shot a twelve point deer in the field and you don't have your paper license to tag the deer with. Right, you got to have the tags. So that, and I'd also have uh, your your driver's license or some form of other form of identification. Um, and of course, if you're hunting on someone else's property, if it's not your own property. I always uh, suggest that you have uh, the landowner's um, phone number, uh, their information. Uh, maybe if you have some kind of hunting contract with them or lease, I would have that at least at the camp house or in your vehicle in case you run across somebody that, you know, maybe maybe a, a distant relative that, that shows up and challenges your right to be there. You can at least show them that you do have, um, you know, you do have a permission to be there and and, and, or you have a phone number, at least you can call. It's always, I, I do see that from time to time. That's good advice. We're here with Kevin Frazier and Rick Layden, and this is Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, and co-host, Christiana Viegas. And we're talking about hunting regulations, and uh, there's going to be uh, one new regulation that we'll talk to after the break that you want to stay tuned for. Uh, So thank you guys for joining us. We'll be right back. Now, if you have any questions for this hunting, you can always visit tpwd.texas.gov. Stay tuned. Hey, parents, don't go on vacation. Okay, at least not until you've properly protected your minor children with a legally enforceable Kids Protection Estate Plan. If you have minor kids, and especially if you're a single parent or don't have a lot of family in the area, you need to protect your children in case something happens to you. Dealing with the craziness of 281 and 1604 every day is enough to make you realize every day is a gift and the responsibility one has as parents. Meet Brittany Lestitian, an attorney with Marquardt Law Firm, hosting a free Kids Protection Plan seminar on October 24th, 5.30 p.m., Northwood Presbyterian School at 518 Pike Road, San Antonio, Texas, where you will learn about how the attorneys work with parents every day to legally document their wishes regarding who will care for their kids and perhaps, more importantly, how. Space is always limited, so be sure to register today. Register now by calling 210-530-4278. MarkWartLawFirm.com. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. 
Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and today's been an interesting episode as we've spoken with Rick Layden about the youth program and game warden Kevin Frazier has been here with us helping us understand the regulations and authorities that game wardens have. If you do have questions for them, you can always visit the websites tyhp.org or tpwd.texas.gov. Okay, uh, Mr. Frazier, uh, just wanted to hit home one more time uh, what things uh, we should carry with us when we're hunting. I also wanted to add that uh, one of the, the, the common things I'm seeing right now is the hunter education requirement and some of the hunters not having that. So if you were born after September 2nd, 1971, you are required to, to have that, that course and have that card I would recommend you carry that card with you. Uh, sometimes that, that hunter education number does print out on your license, but sometimes it doesn't. Uh, if you're an out-of-town hunter I, I, or an out-of-state hunter, uh, I definitely suggest you you, uh, you carry a copy of that because I have no way to look into uh, another state system to find out if you have hunter education, and then the burden is going to be on you to prove that to the judge that you have that. So I have an app that I can look you know, on my phone for any Texas resident that has hunter ed but not an out-of-state resident. So, um, and, and these licenses and these, these, these hunter education cards, I, I also suggest you, you can make copies of those things and, and, and carry several copies in your, in your car and at, at camp. Uh, leave them, you know, in your truck or in your wallet. So if you lose one, you, you have another one. You, you can definitely make copies of those. So this is uh, probably going to air during uh, deer season, and so I'll bring that up. First, uh, if a deer has been hit on the highway, what do I do? Well, first of all, um, you know, we're in Texas, and and there's lots of lots of animals on the roads, lots of deer, lots of deer get hit. Um, if the deer is off the road and, and off the side, you know, and not impeding traffic, I just keep keep rolling. Don't 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 stop and create a, a traffic hazard or create an accident trying to mess with it. Now, if it's still on the road and it is creating a problem and you think you can safely remove it and move it off the side, you can do that, but you need to be real careful about that. I definitely, what I would suggest, you just call call the sheriff's office or the local police department and see if they can reach out and have an officer or have a game warden come out there and, and remove it. But what you can't do is you can't load it up and, and put it in back of your truck. I was just going to ask you if you had seen that movie, Tommy Boy, where they put it in the convertible. Yeah, no, you're, you're not allowed to do that because that's, that's not a legal means of taking, taking that animal. Um, and a lot of times, too, people ask me if, you know, if they can have it. And a lot of times those deer, they get hit. It's, it's you know, think about a, a human being getting hit by a vehicle and what it does to, to the, the inside of your body and and your bones and your muscles and your tissues. And uh, w- same thing with a deer. It really messes up the meat and gets the meat real bloodshot. And, and especially if that deer's been laying out there for a long time, uh, I, I don't want to donate that to anybody. It's, it's best that we just get it off the road and, uh, and, and get it out, out, out of harm's way. Now, can you shed some light on the rumor that if you do hit that deer, will TPWD pay for the deductible? 
I've, I've never heard that. No, that's why we have insurance. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and if if uh, somebody just took the rack, that would be a no-no also. Exactly. No, you cannot possess any part of that deer because that, that deer was not legally harvested uh, in a legal way. Um, it's it's not legal to, to run over game animals, especially uh, white-tailed deer with your car. So, no, usually what we would do if it was a big um, – if it was a, a pretty good sized rack, um, you know, and I got there before somebody else took it, we would usually take that and use it for educational purposes. Okay. Are there any other stories that you have where a hunter made some silly mistake? Well, you know, a lot, you know, most, what I love about my job is most of the people I deal with, you know, they're good, they're good people, they're sportsmen. They enjoy the outdoors. They enjoy conservation. They're kind of on the same page as I am, and and I appreciate that. A lot of the violations that I come across are, you know, they are simple mistakes. You know, maybe somebody that's their first hunt, they didn't tag the deer. As soon as they killed it, they were so excited. They took pictures and and, and, and cleaned the deer and, and had lunch and took a nap and watched the football game. And, <laughs> and here it come 9 o'clock at night. When I come in after they shot it at 7 in the morning, they haven't tagged it yet. That's a common mistake. Uh, but sometimes people also don't tag the deer because they want to save their tags. So, you know, I have discretion to figure out, you know, how I'm going to approach each situation. Each situation's different. But uh, then you have the other hunters and, and the poachers that that's what they do. They, you know, they don't follow laws. They don't They don't respect the laws. And in, in almost 18 years being in this in this business, I've seen quite a, a few egregious violations. I've uh, one of the ones I see I've seen more than not is I'll, I'll go into a deer camp and I'll have the I'll have the the father there with four deer hung up, you know, that he shot. But he says that his six year old son shot two of them, and his four year old daughter shot, shot one, and <laughs> and his wife, who's never shot a gun before, shot the other. one. Oh wow! And so, uh, and, and and I've done that and, and and experienced that a few times. And the things the things that really bothered me the most there really isn't isn't really the the fact that they broke the law and 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 and, and harvested the deer illegally or 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 hunted under the license of another, but um, that they did this in front of their kids and they set a very bad example and and they're they're teaching the kids how to do things the wrong way, which is exactly you know, what's so great about the youth hunting program that we heard about earlier from Rick is they're teaching the kids how to do things the right way. And so those are one of the things that really bothers me, especially when a hunter lies to me in front of somebody or in front of their kids. That that, that really, really bothers me. And I try to pull them aside and, and, and explain the example they're setting uh, because, you know, some of the, the main things we remember as, as as adults and as people are things that happened to us when we were little. Well, it's great that we can be able to share this information and educate everyone that's tuning in on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. And I'm just your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and learning more from Game Warden Kevin Frazier and helping us with understanding the youth program, Rick Layden. You can find all of these regulations, the do's and don'ts, if you visit tyhp.org or tpwd.texas.gov. Find out what the regulations are so that way you don't have to worry about these mistakes that we're hearing about. 
I wanted to ask about the antler restrictions. Will you share something about that? Sure. We've had these antler restrictions uh, for many years now, and these mainly, um, you know, are going to effect or are in effect for most of the eastern counties of the state of Texas. And and what they are is just having, you know, a hunter not not shooting a deer that's has the uh, inside spread of, of 13 inches. So if the inside spread is 13 inches or greater, they can shoot, harvest that deer. But if it's inside um, the 13-inch um, spread, uh, uh, you, you can't legally harvest that deer. And that, that was for many reasons. We, I think the biologists in the wildlife division came up with that many years ago to, to try to let some of these younger deer that were getting shot too early have a chance to uh, to get bigger. Uh, so all of those all of those rules and violations and, and actually pictures and diagrams are in the outdoor annual uh, whenever you buy your license. Uh, that outdoor annual is the book that you get that uh, a lot of people don't read. They throw it in their back seat and and they don't read the laws. Well, so. if you don't read it, you can at least find it in your app store, right? Yes, exactly. And that's a new thing we have this near is we have a, a, a public hunt and an annual public hunting app that you can put on your phone. And uh, that'll have everything because because how many people actually read anything anymore in a book? They uh, everything is instant, quick access on a phone and and internet. And so when you're sitting in the deer blind and you have a question about a law or something, you can pull up the app on your phone. And, and I actually study this thing all season, and uh, we even argue about it back at the camp house. And one of the things that we like to discuss is the philosophy about uh, spike deer. What's your philosophy about spikes? Is it once a spike, always a spike, or maybe the a spike will turn into a good deer later? I would say, you know, there's there's all kinds of different theories on that, and, and people can, you know, talk about that for a hundred more years. But, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the, uh, you know, with the DNA of that deer, with, with its, uh, with the genes, with the area of the state that it's in with how old the deer is, um, what kind of season, you know, we had previous. You know, was it a dry year? Was it a wet year? Uh, but a lot of times these, you know, yearling deer that are just now coming in with, with horns or with nubs, you know, those are deer that you would probably want to pass on. But um, if, you, if you've if you been hunting, you know, for two or three years and you see the, the same spike and every year that spike gets a little longer, then he's probably always going to be a spike. So that's just something with education and time in the field uh, that you can uh, you can get better at identifying and making those decisions. Thank you. How about uh, what's the new regulation for hogs this year? So this year, uh, if you're a, a resident or even a, an out-of-state resident, you no longer need a, a hunting license to hunt feral hogs, but the uh, hunter education uh, requirements still apply. So in the past, it was if, if you were... If the hog was depredating your land, you didn't need a license. But if you were hunting it for sporting or paying somebody to go hunt hogs, you needed that license. Now you don't need a license anymore. You just have to have the hunter education uh, requirement if you meet that. Hunting hogs is encouraged because why? Well, I mean, hunting hogs, number one, you can hunt hogs year-round. You can hunt hogs at night, uh, unlike, you know, White-tailed deer, you know, they have, um, you know, seasons, and you can't hunt uh, game animals like white-tailed deer at night. 
uh, feral hogs that are non-game animals and, and you can hunt them at night and you can hunt them year-round. Well, this has been a really great episode and very enlightening. If you have more questions about your regulations for hunting, please visit tpwd.texas.gov. Thanks for tuning in with Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm Christiana Villegas. Thank you for listening.